Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. We are, we are in a series called In, in This House. And the reason is, is um, we are being built up into something, Scripture says. And we're talking about family, and we're talking about the spiritual family of God. It's a big theme in, in Scripture, obviously with Thanksgiving and Christmas and all these things coming. It seems to be a family season. And so I want to talk about what it looks like to have a family season, but I want to talk about it from the spiritual family point of view. And so we all are being built into something. This is what we did work on last week. We're being built into something. You have a purpose, and here it is. We are being built into his spiritual house. 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5 says these words. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, that was Jesus, he was rejected by men, but in the sight of God, he was chosen and precious. You yourselves are like living stones because he lives, somebody say we live. Because he lives, we live. We're living stones, and we're being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You have a purpose. And so we said that as we're being built up into a house, that in this house or in his house, we are family. And we did work on that last week. We have a purpose, and one of our purposes is to be family. One of the markers of being a spiritual house, being built up together, is that we operate as a family. In fact, we said these words, I want to make sure that you understand the foundation we're coming from. Last week, we said this is important. We won't know what it looks like to be a spiritual house if we don't know what it means to be a family. And here's why. When we read scripture, we said last week that we read it through a very modern, individualistic way. It's the lens of me. Typically, when we read scripture, especially as American Christians, we read it through the lens of me. It's about me prospering. It's about me advancing. Everything in our society is about me. It's for me. It's for me. It's for me. The problem with reading scripture in that way is scripture has a we lens. It's about we, not me. It's about we, it's about we are entering in, we are coming in, we are running this race, we are being built into something. And so when we don't look at it through the lens of we, we'll run many times on our own with me, and me always tends to stumble and fall, amen? Amen. But the church that's we goes forward and advances the kingdom. So it's important that we understand this, that you are becoming something, but it's so much more beyond just you. It's a big deal because it plays into what we want to talk about today, which is that in this house, we have purpose. Everybody say, I have a purpose. So you're a house, you're being built up into a spiritual house, and you're also being built up into a body. And we're going to spend most of our time in talking about the body uh, of Christ. Not just that I have a purpose, because again, it's not an I lens, it's a we lens. Not just that I have a purpose, but that we have a purpose. Let me give you an illustration of what I mean by that and why this is so important. If you said, Aaron, do you have kids? I say, yeah, I have kids. How many got? I've got four. Tell me about each of your kids. Well, one of my kids is really important. One of my kids is really gifted. Is that jacked up? One of my kids is pretty awesome. Well, what about the other three? I don't even know their names, but one of them is amazing. <laughs> like, we don't do that. You're like, that's, that's crazy. We, we don't do that. And yet sometimes what happens in the body of Christ when we look at it through the me lens is it's all about me. 
And we forget that God loves all of his kids. He cares deeply that all of his kids understand their purpose. He cares deeply that all of his kids are connected with that purpose. And so it's a we gospel, amen? And so it's not just I have purpose. It's not, it's not just that I, oh, oh man, I made it in. It's that we have purpose and we've made it in. It's part of the reason I love Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12.1 has something I absolutely love. It's just been built on the foundation of faith, Hebrews 11. All these men and women that have come before us, faithful, faithful, faithful. They built on one another's ministries. They built on one another the prophetic things that God laid out. They're building on one another, and the gospel is moving. The, the, the word of God is moving. The, the foundation of God is moving as they run this race with one another. And so the author of Hebrews in 12.1 says, so because of these men and women, because of the faithfulness of how they came together as the body of Christ and advanced the kingdom. Because of this, look what he says. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Every time I read that, I picture all of those who came before us. They're cheering us on for our generation. They're going, church, come together. Body of Christ, understand. God is doing something so much bigger than just you. Come together since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let, everybody say us, let us run. He doesn't say let me run, he says let us run. Look what he says, with perseverance, the race marked out for us. It is a big deal that us, all of us are included in this. And so we need to have the right perspective of God's house. Now, I say we need to have the right perspective of God's house because it's not God's hotel. Amen? A hotel is different than a house. Let me tell you what you do in a hotel. In a hotel, you don't make your bed. Yeah? In a hotel, you throw your stuff on the floor. Somebody's going to come and clean it up. In the hotel, you take your, uh, your, your towels. You throw them all on the floor. Somebody's going to come in and clean up after you. In a hotel, you get to go and be a guest. Everybody's supposed to serve you. In a house, you have to serve. In a house, you contribute. In a house, you have a role. Our home at the Wallace household is not the Wallace Hotel. We don't cater to our kids. Amen. They throw their socks on the floor, and they expect mom and I to pick it up. We call them over. Whose socks are those? Those are mine. They said, I thought you guys would pick them up. Did you wear them? Yes, we wore them. Then pick up your dang socks. Because we all have a role. We all contribute in this thing because we're not a hotel, we're a house. In God's house, we're not a hotel, we're a house. You see, with the hotel, it brings in a lot of people and they get to stay in rooms and they get to experience the joys of the hotel life. But in God's house, it's not just about coming and experiencing the good things, it's about serving with one another as the body. This is important. In fact, it's so important that Ephesians 2, 19 and through 22, we read this. He says, so you're no longer strangers or aliens, that's in a hotel, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We, we are family, members of a household are family, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. We don't do any of this. We're not even here without Jesus. He's the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into the holy temple of the Lord. In him, you also are being built together. Listen to this. We're being built together into a dwelling place for God by his, everybody say spirit. By his spirit. This is so important. We're joined together and we're growing together. But the only way in which we're growing together is because of his spirit. This is going to be key for us as we go forward and move forward as a family of faith. Without the Spirit of God, we're nothing. 
Listen to me in this. This is important. What good is a body without a spirit? Somebody say it's dead. A body without a spirit is dead. So the church without the Holy Spirit is dead. A church without the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit is dead, but a church with the Holy Spirit is alive. It's actually one of the things that Jesus will write or uh, in Revelation that's written to one of the churches in, in the seven churches in Revelation. You have the appearance of being alive, but you're dead. You have the appearance of it, but you're dead. And so what we know is this. We know that the Spirit is what comes in and grows us and matures us together to be the church that's alive. In fact, I would contend with this. Jesus came to do a redemptive work. And that redemptive work was that he would break the power of sin. We know that. He comes and he destroys the power of sin. He dies. He resurrects on the third day, resurrects from the grave, and he ascends to be with the Father. Do you know what he spent, especially in the book of John, at least three chapters trying to instill in us? It's better that I go because my spirit's coming. It's better that I go. In other words, I'm coming to do a redemptive work to clean out the mess of your heart, which is full of sin and wickedness. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to take out your old heart. But this is what I really want, that my spirit will come into that new heart. This is what he wants. It's what activates the church. It's what activates the family of God. So yes, he comes in. He does a redemptive work. And he pours out his spirit, so there's a heart cleansing and a spirit filling. This is what advances us as the dwelling place of God by his spirit. Here's what we know about the human body. My, do you know my degrees, kinesiology? So I've told you guys some of that. It's not, I'm, I'm not like a super, super professional with everything else. I studied the human body. That was my bachelor's of science in college. And here's what I know about the human body. There's something called the central nervous system that controls our movements and our actions. So we get the central nervous system sends out the signal, move your arms. Some of them are voluntary. Some of them are involuntary signals. <laughs> sends it out, move your legs. The involuntary ones, you don't tell your heart to beat every second, do you? It just beats. You don't tell your lungs to breathe in and breathe out every second. It just does it. Those are involuntary. Some of them are voluntary. When the Holy Spirit comes into the bride of Christ or the family of God, he's the central nervous system of the body. There's a name to the central nervous system of the body, the spiritual body of Christ. His name is the Holy Spirit. He comes in and he activates hearts. He comes in and tells the arms and the legs and the body how to move which means we've got to be leaned into him, amen? He controls and sends the function so that we function rightly. A body of Christ, I feel like the Lord laid this on my heart this week, a body of Christ that is dangerous to the enemy and advancing the kingdom of God is a body that leans on the Holy Spirit as the central nervous system. The problem that we see in most church life today is we neglect the Holy Spirit and listen to maybe a, a few people who are trying to lead the way, which is great, by the way. I pray we have leaders that are after God's heart, but we neglect really leaning in to the, to the presence of the Holy Spirit. So you get filled for a moment on Sunday, and you're trying to figure out how to live Monday through, through Saturday. And the Holy Spirit's the one directing the body. So for many believers then, we see the Holy Spirit is actually more about trying to give me power to live my life better rather than the primary role of the Holy Spirit, which is to give me power to live his life better. It's to give me the Holy Spirit 
to live his life more effectively. Amen, church? And so we see this in 1 John 2, 6. He says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. That's a profound verse, by the way. John's saying, whoever says they live in Christ, they abide in Christ, ought to walk in the same way in, he, in which he walked. Is that profound to anybody in here? Okay, just me. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think according to the power at work where? Within us. Now listen to why this is so important. This is important because this is what gets us on purpose. As a family, we have a purpose. In his house, we have a purpose. And here it is. God sends his son. The father and the son send the spirit. The father and the son and the spirit send the church. Isn't that profound? The mission of God is always going forward. Messiah is coming. Jesus is coming. The Father and the Son say, the Holy Spirit is coming. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit says, the church is coming. This is his mission for us. As the Father has sent me, Jesus says, so I am sending you. <clears throat> so what does this look like then? Why is this so, such, a, such a big deal? Do you guys know that every place the presence of Jesus went people's lives were changed? How many of you guys knew that? All right. I'm, let's, let's, let's have a resound. How many of you guys read your Bible where everywhere Jesus went, a life was affected and changed? Okay, good. So just want to make sure we're on the same page. Jesus never confronted a life or never confronted a sickness or a disease or an issue that he could not overcome in somebody's life. So he's walking on his journey, he's confronting broken people that are finding freedom. He's confronting people that have been laid out because of paralyzation or, or, or blind, their, 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 their eyes were blind, and he's healing them. He's confronting those who had wicked hearts, and he's giving them the peace of Christ. He's giving them his peace. He's conf he's, I'm telling you, he's confronting these things. Everywhere he goes, he's changing, and here's what he's saying. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in you. So everywhere we go as the church, we should be confronting these things and seeing people redeemed and set free. But we've got something in us, it's called me, amen, that's contending with him and contending with we. We come in, we get filled for a moment, we feel a little bit of hunger stirring, and then I get in the way. Or I find myself so busy that I can't hang out or get with other believers and do this thing together, advancing the kingdom. So when you, when you enter this life with Christ, it, you're, you're entering into a body. So it, when, when you leave, there's, if there's nothing else, you're going to leave here today and you can never say, I don't have a purpose. Yes, you do. You're being built into a spiritual house and you're the body of Christ. That's your purpose. That's it, and here's what he's going to say. Listen to this. When you enter in, you get to be a part of the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. Ephesians 1.19 is going to say the same thing. And God, he's going to say, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him, Jesus, to be head over everything, the church, for the church, which is his body. You've got a purpose. You're a part of the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is key for us to know what our purpose is in. 
And it's going to be the theme that echoes throughout the New Testament. The body of Christ, the body of Christ. You're a part of the body, you're part of the body. You're part of something bigger than yourself. Paul's going to jump on this in 1 Corinthians 12, and he's going to lay it out like a physical body. He's going to get us to understand what this looks like from a physical sense, looking at your hands, looking at your feet, and understanding this concept of being the body. He's going to say it like this. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so that we can help each other. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts down the road. Verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that make any less part of the body? And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part, this is the key, just where he wants it. Is that what that says? Where he wants it. God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say the hand, I don't need you. The hand, head can never say the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some of the parts that seem weakest, I love this, we're going to talk about this. Some of the parts that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. This makes the harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer. If one part is honored, all parts are honored. All the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you has a part in it. Do you have a purpose? You have a purpose. We're just now getting to hang with Dan and his family. We're already a part of the family of God together. Their part is in the Philippines, and they are seeing God move. Isn't that beautiful? It's far-reaching. So, the body of Christ in so many ways gets conflicted with this, because in many ways, we're a bunch of individuals trying to do our own individual things. Let me say something about that. Salvation is a very personal thing. I came into Christ, and I had a dad for 34 years that did ministry. I don't get to stand before Jesus and say, hey, his faith was my faith. I, at some point in time in my life, I had to make a commitment that this faith in Christ is my faith in Christ. I'm not riding his coattails. I'm not riding my mom and dad who were faithful men and women in Christ. I'm not riding their coattails. Now, I made a commitment in my life to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But that personal relationship is one thing. The other thing now is it put me in a body. To fulfill God's purpose requires the body. So yes, personal, but this corporate body thing is important. So the body of Christ... You've heard this language before. The body of Christ is supposed to be a thermostat and a thermometer for the church culture and then outside the walls for the world's culture. Let me, let me share what I mean by it's supposed to be a thermometer for that and a thermostat. A thermometer tells you how hot it is, right? A thermometer and a thermostat adjusts the levels to try to get it from here to here or here to here. So here's what the church is supposed to be together is the body of Christ. When we begin to see that in the body of Christ, there seems to be a level of lukewarmness or even being cold, it's time for the body to come together and take the thermostat, because we're a family, dads don't just get to touch it, right? And we move the thermostat up. We go, man, lukewarmness is falling on the bride of Christ, let's crank the heat. 
But the same thing is for the world around us, which is this. When we see a world that's broken and it's got hate-filled hearts and discord and disunity, we take that and we say that's what the thermometer's saying. We take the thermostat and we turn it up. So to combat hate, what we do, what do we do? We bring a radical love of Jesus Christ. To combat disunity, what do we do? We bring a radical unity in Christ. Do you see what we're doing? We're not letting culture set the thermostat of the church. The church is setting the thermostat of the culture. It's different. It's different. And so this is where we're at. So in this city, this is what we see. If brokenness hit, it's our responsibility. It's not the mayor's responsibility. It's not elected officials' responsibility. It's the body of Christ's responsibility. So Paul says it looks like a body. And when a body is functioning together, it has one singular purpose. If your body is functioning well, what's it produce? Somebody say life. You're breathing, man. It's a good day for you. Your body's functioning. You've got life. You're breathing. It's the same thing when we talk about the body of Christ. When we're functioning well, there is life roaring from the body. When we're functioning well. Here's the problem. We don't tend to recognize that. We don't sit there. I don't look at my body and go, you know what? I'm I'm looking at all the processes and how they work, and I'm linking them all together. I understand it all. All I know is I wake up and I'm breathing. Like, I know that, right? All of this comes to a radical awareness if you get sick. And all of a sudden, something's not functioning right. And you go to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, you got the flu. And so all of a sudden, you realize when one little level is off, it's not allowing me to feel much life in me. I feel like I'm laid out. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? I'm at home puking my guts out, lying on the bed. What am I doing? Something's not clicking right in my body. I think the church thinks that we're going forward, and the Lord's going, it's time to reevaluate the body a bit. We're running our own races, we're coming in on Sunday mornings, trying to pack sanctuaries, getting something for me, forgetting it's not about me, but we. Amen. Okay. And so Paul said this isn't what the church is supposed to be, this is what the family of God isn't supposed to be. The family of God is supposed to be the body that's functioning well together and rolling out together. Um, I I like this. He says, if the foot says, let me just do some work on this real quick. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that make it any less part of the body? And then we realize, he says, but God puts each part just where he wants it. Here's what he's talking about. I'm telling you, in church, there is something that we've kind of done, which is this. We felt as though um, that there are certain parts that are more important than other parts. And I'm just telling you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen? Amen. So we honor one another. He's talking about working together to get this thing advanced. This is God's plan, to advance his kingdom on the earth. So Jesus, in his physical body, Jesus as a man, he walked with the body and he touched lives. That's We, we talked about that earlier. Now he says, hey, now that I'm with the Father and I've given you my spirit, now you are my physical body. This is the body of Christ. All together, walking on planet earth, honoring one another and if you don't do that then we're missing something in the body so let me put it in a way that may sound strange but you if you drove down the road and saw a leg laying in the middle of the road anybody freaked out by that <laughs> anybody call 911 okay right it doesn't belong there by itself it's not attached to anything it's weird 
It wasn't supposed to be there. But yet somehow, spiritually, with the family of God, we're okay with that. Arms scattered, legs scattered, heads scattered, right? Like, it's crazy that you would look at a physical body and be like, that doesn't match. But with a spiritual body, we're okay being isolated away from one another. It's not supposed to be that way. Verse 21, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I I don't need you. Um, I think one of the issues has been that church hurt can be real. We prayed on this on Thursday. I don't know how it came up in our prayer theme, but we were praying in a room, about 40 people, and we just started praying. If you've been hurt by the church, man, you should have seen the tears being wept in the room. Because somewhere along the line, the church has hurt somebody or, or somebody from the body of Christ has hurt somebody. Or maybe you felt like, hey, you're not really that valued. We don't really need you. And if I would ask you, you've been hurt by church or hurt by a Christian person, hands would go up all over this room. And I think we've got to be careful not to associate that, that, that God is perfect. He, he's perfect. The church is not. God uses a messy church to accomplish his goals. And I'm part of that mess. But if you've been hurt... And somebody says, hey, you're just an eye, we don't need you, we need hands right now. Or you're just a foot, we don't need you, we need, I'm telling you that that was a lie that somebody spoke over you, we need you. We're incomplete without you. Verse 22, he says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary, and the parts we regard as less honorable are those that we close with greatest care. I want you to, to know in this room, you're important. And maybe you don't know as much as Casey. Casey, let's just say you're like, man, most biblical knowledge guy I've ever met in my life. Unbelievable. Maybe you're like, I've never seen somebody serve like Jeff Jones. What a server. I'll never measure up to that. Sometimes we pit ourselves up to feel like we'll never measure up. Whatever it is that you carry in your heart, even if it seems insignificant and small, the Lord sees it and it's important. If you're like, all I... All I feel like I can do is say some prayers. It's the most important. All I feel like I can do is hug somebody. It's the most important. Amen? So the body of Christ has to recognize that this is a culture of honor in the body. We honor what you bring. We honor what God has put in you. We honor that even if you feel like, I don't know as much as anybody God sees what you carry, and he'll do something with that. This makes harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. So just like your physical body, we've, we've talked about this in here before. Just like your physical body, if one part hurts, we said this last week, then the whole body hurts. How do we know that? Because if you've ever stepped on a Lego, it feels like the pit of hell. I'm firm believer Legos are going to be there, okay? (laughs) My kids, when they were young, they would leave their Legos out. You step on a corner of that, and although it was just my foot, I felt like somebody blew my head. (laughs) You step on it, what's it do? Your nervous system goes insane. You, ah! You vocal, right? You're yelling. It didn't affect, the Lego didn't hit your voice. What happened? The Lego hit your foot, but I'm sitting here going, ah, every part of the body was affected because one part was affected. Why don't we see it like that in the body of Christ? 
Why don't we resonate? Man, I resonate with my brother in the Philippines who's sitting here going, man, there are kids. I, I love the opening up video. There seems like there's no hope, but we know the hope is Jesus, right? Like, why doesn't that really get to us? In our own backyard, in Wichita, it should get to us. <clears throat> okay. Amen. So if we want to see the fullness of Jesus on display and the body functioning and their kingdom calling, then we need to operate in this. Um, and I want to say something about this. In our own backyard is important. In our own backyard is important. Here's what I mean by that. If we're a spiritual house, being built together as a spiritual house, so if this is what we're being built, you could look at our world behind Wichita, surrounding areas, you could look at that as our backyard. And, and here's what I mean by it. In our backyard, there's people addicted to drugs. In our backyard, there's people who are being trafficked right now. In our backyard, there's prostitution in our backyard. Now, if you looked out in your physical backyard and you saw that happening, you'd probably go out there. You'd probably be like, that's happening in my backyard. Well, here we are, a spiritual house, and in our backyard, we've got something inside of us, the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus Christ, to go out and make a change in our backyard. You say, so what's that look like? I'll give you one example. Today, at 3 o'clock on Broadway, talking with Carl Davis, he's like, let the church know. Three o'clock on Broadway, 2033, that's the address, 2033 South Broadway, in this old burned up bar, no lights, no anything, it's going to be dungy in there, bring a chair, there's going to be prayer and worship roaring out of that for South Broadway. Now listen, here's what's interesting, scripture doesn't say, hey, wait for the darkness to come and find the light. It says, take the light to the darkness, does it not? And so here we are being faced with this reality of going, Broadway is a representation of a dark place that needs Jesus. So is every corner. And this is what, this is what, we, this is what we carry. So what's the, what's the thing that's hindering us right now? I want to talk about two quick hindrances. You've heard this, you've heard this before, this, this identity of going from a renter to an owner. The problem with the church today is we're a bunch of renters sometimes. We see the body of Christ as a renting mentality, not an ownership mentality. And here's what I mean by that. Anybody ever rent anything? Anybody ever rent a car? Anybody ever rent a car? You know that when you rent a car, you drive it like you stole it. <laughs> you, you do. You, you, you rent a car. It's a different world. When you buy a car and you own that car, you're like, whoa, brake, be careful. Don't check the brakes so quick, man. Like, don't rev that thing up. It's your baby, right? You've got ownership, and because you've got ownership, you take responsibility. You rent a car, you're NASCAR driver all of a sudden. Look at me. Rubbin's racing. I'm going to put you in the wall, right? You're like, what? It's ridiculous. Why? Because you don't own it. You don't have any responsibility. It doesn't matter to you. But when you buy it, and you're a part of it, and you've got ownership in it, it changes everything, does it not? So here's the Lord's invitation into ownership. And i got to close out. Okay. Here's the Lord's invitation. Peter is going to write about how we all, are, all of us are partakers in the divine nature. And here's something Peter's going to get in Matthew 16, 19. Before he gets to write that epistle down the road, he's going to have an encounter with Jesus. He's going to confess that he's the Messiah, the son of the living God. And the Lord says, hear this to Peter in verse 19. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Hey, the keys to my house, I'm going to give you those keys. Whatever you bind on earth, we bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, will be loose in heaven. Now, here's what we know, okay? It wasn't, Peter, you're so awesome that I'm going to build my church on you. 
Jesus like, that's not what I meant. The church is built on Jesus Christ. Here's what that whole thing was about. Peter, because of your confession and believing in me, I'm going to give you keys to the spiritual house. Church, if you've made a confession of Jesus Christ, that he is your Lord and Savior, your Father has handed you the keys. He's given you the keys. You get to be a part of this thing. Not as a renter, but as an owner of the kingdom. Co-partners, co-heirs with Christ. The last sentence is comparison. So we compare ourselves, right? We're constantly doing that. They, they love Jesus more than I love Jesus. They know Jesus more than I do. They read their Bible. Wait, let me just, just, I'll just blanket statement. Comparison is killing the bride of Christ. Stop comparing yourself. All your gaze is supposed to be on is Christ anyways, amen? Not whether or not you think you measure up like that person or you think you've measured up like that person. We're not gonna compare ourselves anymore. Okay. Um, I'm gonna show it to you like this and we're closing out. Casey, stand up real quick. Angie, stand up real quick. Angie, have you ever been lost? Actually, Casey, stand back here real quick. Have you ever been lost and broken? Okay, so I as a single person, as a body, right, I can take my hand and grab somebody who is lost and broken and say, welcome to the kingdom of God, okay? But what if Angie's over here, I can't reach her, reach your arm out, just can't quite get you. So here's what I do. I grab another arm in the body, now we've got two arms, what just happened? We reached Angie, yes, okay? Now, what if Angie was even further off, okay? Casey, can you reach her? No, not quite. We're going to add some people. Come in here, hon. You come in here too. Okay, keep going. Let's grab arms. We got a bunch of arms coming together. Can we reach her? Oh, look what we just did. We went further. You see what happened? When the body, hang on, when the body of Christ gets together, we reach further and wider than we've ever gone, than just one person go. Now, what if Angie's like super lost? Okay, now, Joe, come here. Come here, Joe. Joe, over here on this side. Can you reach her? We can't reach her, so Joe, he's not an arm, he's a dang leg, because you got some big legs, bro. He's a leg. Look what happens to the body. We advance. Now we go, grab her hand, and we've just gone further and wider than we could ever go before. Why? Because a bunch of arms got together with a leg. Good job, leg. Can you, can you? So stand up, stand up, we're going to close out. Here we go. You are an arm, a leg, a hand, a foot, a nose, an ear, an eye. You are part of the body. Don't let anybody tell you differently. If you've said yes to Jesus, you came into the body of Christ. It's time, church, for the body of Christ to get activated. It's time for the body of Christ to be on purpose. It's time for the body of Christ to come together in a measure, in a way, where the body of Christ is functioning like Jesus did when he walked on planet earth. Somebody say amen. Father, we pray over this body of Christ, this spiritual house that's being built. We pray, Heavenly Father, this family is on purpose. We've got a purpose. I pray, Jesus, that we would reach wider. We would go further. We would go further than we've ever thought we could go because we've come together. Bunch of arms, bunch of legs, bunch of eyes, bunch of ears, bunch of noses, bunch of hands, bunch of feet, believing that you've imparted your purposes on our hearts. God, may we glorify you as the family and the body of Christ on purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said.
Amen. Now go to your cards. Here we go. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day to day. Until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.